Not only are we going to New Hampshire, we're going to South Carolina and Oklahoma and Arizona and North Dakota and New Mexico. We're going to California and Texas and New York. We're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. You are listening to America's Healthcare Challenge with Sean McGuire. Join the conversation at 402-342-1290 or at 800-577-1290. Once again, direct from the American heartland, here's your host, Sean McGuire. Welcome back to America's Healthcare Challenge. 402-342-1290 is the number, but actually you should just text it in to us or put it in on our Facebook page.com slash America's Healthcare Challenge. We're continuing the conversation with uh, Congressman Don Bacon uh, amidst the earlier technical technical difficulties. Alan, you had the floor. Uh, did you have a second question well, for the congressman before uh, we actually, uh, she did send in her question, so we will just she go did ahead send and in read the question? That. Yeah, we're yes, just going to go did. ahead and read that in a second here. So, uh, we're, you know, we're talk- we talked last week about how the immigration ban could affect physician shortages. Uh, there are physician shortages all across the country, and we all know that it- it's getting more. It's getting worse rather than getting better. And some of it is IT related. Some of it is retirement related. How does what do you see happening in Congress, Congressman Bacon, to uh, kind of assist in? fixing what Congress kind of created back in the 90s when they uh, passed some laws that kind of assisted in creating the shortage? Well, first of all, the the refugee ban, if that's what you're referring to, it's a temporary one that the president was putting in to review our vetting procedures. I think most Americans wanted to make sure that our vetting procedures were reviewed. I think there was some distrust in the previous administration of how wide the valves were being turned on for letting people in and out, you know. So I think it was all right to do a temporary ban and uh, and, and to review our vetting, because that's what it was. It was temporary. Uh, but now it's obviously working through the court system. Uh, we do have three equal branches of government, and we got to respect it. We have to remember during the previous administration, uh, the courts threw out multiple executive orders from President Obama, and, and uh, this is the way the system works. You know, it's uh, the checks and balances there, so we'll just have to see how it pans out. I would say I did talk to a federal judge you know, and he, he totally disagreed with the ruling. He thinks, so just a sort of depends where you get these uh, cases at. Right. Now, my view of it is that we do have a broken immigration system, and we got almost 12 million people here, uh, who and we're at, we were averaging 300 to 400,000 a month uh, coming here undocumented. A lot of it's not the border. A lot of it's through visas. Right. And, so, and many of it's, you know, from Asia, you name it, or Africa. It's, so it's more dispersed than what a lot of people assume. Uh, I'm of the view that we do have to fix uh, that problem. Three to four hundred thousand coming here undocumented a month is is a hard on our school systems. It's you don't know about a security issue. You don't know who's actually coming in. So I think we got to fix it. I think if we found ways to drive that down, you'll never get it to zero. But to make a big progress there, I think most Americans would have a compassionate view for those who are here. I was just meeting with I met with a, a DACA gentleman about an hour ago in South Omaha, and he came here when he was like two months old. Right. Uh, and obviously not, not his, not his doing. And he's a very outstanding, smart young man who's working hard. And I just think that we, if we could show Americans that we're solving the problem, 
most Americans would want to uh, do the compassionate thing and find a, a legal status for those uh, who are working hard and aren't, aren't you know, needing the uh, government aid uh, that are law-abiding. You know? And I think that there's a way that we can find the middle ground on this, I believe. That's what, at least that's what I stand for. And I, I know not everyone agrees with me on it, but it's my view that we can do both and, and do it right. And our, our country is looking for, uh, well, I'll give you the see, there's, uh, I was just down in South Owen. Folks are working hard down there. They're creating new businesses. I was just at a wonderful bakery, and you got this entrepreneurial spirit. And I think, uh, no, it's uh, it's good for our country if we if we do if we do this right. Hey, Congressman Bacon, uh, Matthew James here, producer of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's both an honor and a pleasure to speak with you, sir. As as always. Um, I, I yes, do, sir. I, I do have the uh, the caller. I, unfortunately, I had to I had to cut her off because uh, it was we were you know experiencing some dead air because we couldn't hear her on this end. So um, I <laughs> I do want to ask a question for her. Um, she sure. she was basically uh, she was going on because she said that your your answer for um, pre existing conditions was sufficient. But she had a second question, which was mm-hmm. um, she sees a correlation between the amount of Nebraskans on uh, ha- who have health insurance. Um, with the pricing structures of premiums and and those having an effect, um, she wants to know what your position is uh, on Medicaid expansion and how that might mm-hmm. and how that might affect uh, the premiums and that sort of thing. And then right. and then my and then I have a side question for you as well, which is you know what is your philosophy on uh, on Medicaid uh, itself? I guess would kind of be the larger question. Right. I, I agree with the governor uh, not expanding and buying into the ACA uh, program because when you look at the rate increases, the fact that we're going down to one, you know, a third of our people today only have one insurance provider, another third only have two, and really they, it's just it was unaffordable for most because you're, you're doing a one-size-fits-all approach. Uh, you're saying everybody has to have this like Cadillac coverage, and they're paying, and that's why people are paying so much. So I... I was of the view that it was wrong to I opposed ACA. I though I think there's some good parts to it, the pre existing conditions coverage, you know, being one. Now I think what well, we're gonna be moving away from ACA. It's gonna obviously the reconciliation process in the budget is gonna be defunded. Uh, and part of the solution will be Medicaid. Uh, each state's gonna be given a block of grant, I believe, by the time we're done. And I and it's gonna be my intention that it should be based on per capita, so it's fair for each state not based on any previous Medicaid involvement, but if it's coming from the federal government, distributed equally at a rate that we can afford. And that, that's going to allow the states then to uh, develop a, you know, a health care plan that meets the needs of that state. So I think there's going to be a big part of Medicaid uh, through the block grants that will help do with the safety net for those who are going to need some assistance. And maybe it'll also be part of the solution for you know, high-risk pools to make sure that folks have affordable coverage if they have some kind of pre-existing condition, maybe such as diabetes. What advice can you give to um, some of the policymakers here in, in, you know, down in Lincoln in our legislature as far as what they should be looking at or, or could expect uh, from some of these rollouts from the Republicans? Well, one, one of the things I feel fortunate about is I know Senator Reapy uh, very well, and I've always uh, liked working with him, and he has been the lead and the unicameral for the health care, you know, uh, replacement and, and whatever the state has to do to, to jump in. So I've already met with him. I've been talking to him. Uh, obviously, he's working close with the governor. I've t- talked briefly with the governor on this. I'm going to do some more, though, because in the end, we want to make sure that we're providing, you know, the right starting point for the state to take the baton and, and do it the way they want to do it. We don't want to micromanage. 
I think there's going to be some left and right limits that comes out of the federal government. Don't get me wrong. But we don't want to do this one-size-fits-all approach out of Washington. We want to allow the states to have some latitude there. So the best thing from my perspective is make sure, you know, our folks working this let me know and Jeff Fortenberry and Adrian Smith, you know, Senators Fisher and Sass and others, what, what the needs are. So I, I heard loud and clear from those in Lincoln that when it comes to Medicaid block grants, make sure you base it on a per capita basis because other states are going to want to base it off what has already been done. And that would put us at a disadvantage. It's those kind of inputs that are invaluable to me so I can make sure I'm articulating that uh, to the right chairman and folks who are working this in those committees. Right. Well, it's going to be really close to watch. Were you in that, uh, mm-hmm. were you at the retreat with uh, the secret tapes or whatever that were leaked to the yeah. Washington Post? what did you think about that? I was. Well, they, a lady stuck in with a false, tried to pose as a spouse. And I guess she'd managed to do so for about four or five hours. And uh, so that said, I, I don't know what the, I know the leadership and the folks who hosted were looking at pressing charges of some type. I mean, that's not my, for me to say one way or the other way. I was there, though, and I think it's interesting how the headlines get framed. Huge debate on ACA replacement. There wasn't that huge of a debate. There is a overwhelming consensus that ACA's been overall bad, and we got to make some drastic changes. I, I most feel you know, out-and-out replacement. But there is a little bit of debate on the timing, and do you do it simultaneously, or do you do it within a year? You know, as you know, that the the funding of ACA, there's a two-year transition period that anybody who has an ACA policy won't be able to maintain that. Uh, but there's a little bit of debate on timing, but by and large, so I think, uh, at least on the Republican side, you know, a 90, 90% consensus on where we're going. So I, I thought the headlines were misleading. I was there, and I, I saw a lot of, you know, collegial spirit on this whole thing yeah i'm i'm one of those uh, political junkies that actually listened to the whole thing and uh it mm-hmm. didn't seem like it was that out of line by any means but it was it was really no. interesting would you say that if somebody did go listen to that 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 um you know those discussions i mean that's a pretty good outline of where, where republicans are going with health care i mean nothing's really yeah, changed I think since then speaker ryan uh has really been the leader so is dr price those two have been the leaders on the health care, uh, uh, you know, for where we're going. And I think if you read Dr. Price's stuff on the ACA itself, there's other things he's proposed out there. So I'm not speaking for that. Uh, but ACA itself, uh, you're going to see the, the 90 or 95 percent roadmap. And I think if you read also the uh, the Better Way proposal from the speaker, it's, uh, you know, obviously it's not a 100-page thing. It's more of a an outline with a paragraph for each main heading of what we want to do, but it lays out pretty clearly uh, where, where we'll be going with the uh, ACA replacement. So the better way, uh, and, and there's a whole section just on healthcare, and I think that would be a that would give people pretty good insight with where we're going. Do you think any chance the Democrats will come along and it'll be a bipartisan solution? You know, I think for the repeal, probably very few. Uh, would do that. However, you know, polling has consistently showed roughly a 60-40 or 55-45 at the, you know, that that health, the ACA is not working. And I hear it all the time. Small businesses and self-employed folks are, they're, I've had people screaming at me about ACA, and I had to remind them I was the whistle, <laughs> you know, that I'm opposed to it. And uh, so I, I think in the end, the, the issues are on our side on this. And uh, But there's that the 20% that's very vocal and 
and yelling and screaming, and I think we just got to know that is the, the vocal minority on that. Um, I think the replacement, there is some chances for uh, consensus and bipartisanship. You know, if a person, if an employee gets tax-free benefits on health care, why shouldn't someone who's buying their own get that same benefit? And I would like to think there will be many Democrats who would say, yes, that's right, let's make that happen. And I think there would be some expansion on HSAs. I'm sure some will want to support that. I think some will want to support FDA reform. So I think there is grounds for the replacement to get some bipartisanship. Great, great. Hey, Congressman, any final thoughts before we let you go? Well, I want to let you all know, too, I'm going to skip gears on just to hear. I went to the Armed Services Committee, you know, I'm on that, as well as the Small Business Committee and the Agriculture Committee. But I heard some just terrible news on the Armed Services Committee this week. Now, the, the military is on its back right now because it's been cut 17%. They've not been given a regular budget. It's a, a, you know, a continuing resolution. They can't count on a budget right now. So let me just give you a couple stats. 56% of the Navy aircraft can't fly. Out of 58 Army combat brigades, only three today can deploy. And the Air Force is flying an average of 14 hours a month per pilot. I used to fly 30 to 40. We used to fly two to one hours over the Russians and Chinese. Now they're overtraining our pilots. Something is broke. It makes me mad. We're the world's richest, most powerful country, and our military is on its back. And uh, I aim to fix it. I aim to be part of that solution. But I thought if our voters and constituents knew that, uh, it would bother them, and they don't know why we need to give our military more attention. Thank you. Hey, Congressman, so thanks so much for coming on the show. Hope we come back again sometime. Okay. Oh, we'll do. I, anytime you invite me, I'll try to be on. Okay, thank thanks. you, Congressman. That was Congressman yeah. oh, Dom Bacon here on America's Healthcare Challenge. Uh, we'll be right back with uh, more, and we'll uh, react to that interview, Alan, but uh, also react to um, Bernie versus Ted. Yeah, that was quite an that interesting was awesome. entertainment. Yes, it so was. We'll play the, the everything you need to know about that debate in 90 seconds. We'll be right back.